Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, what a win. I'm not going to lie. Right after Tuesday night, I was about to call you up 1130 and I was like, let's record surprise pod, emergency pod. Let's just gush about this win, get hyped all over it. But then I was like, wait a second, then we're going to have nothing to talk about on Thursday. Unless we do it again on Thursday. But, uh, you know, it's even better because we got to contain our excitement a little bit. Waited a little day and a half. And still, I woke up on this Thursday morning, still pumped, still excited for the wire-to-wire beatdown that the Villanova Wildcats put on on Tuesday night, getting that revenge over St. John's. They did it. I can't believe it. <laughs> they broke the press. They, yeah, you know what? The turnovers, broad number was a little high, but they weren't bad turnovers. It wasn't like a two-on-one steal opportunity. They were hitting shots. Everything was hitting, especially in the first half. Man, that, that is probably the best of a first half you can ever play. I mean, only allowing 25, scoring 42. I was, And then at, toward the end of the game, I was even rooting for a game within the game, and that was, you know, let's hold St. John's under 50. And it was looking like that was possible for a little bit. But then uh, they went on a little bit of a, a scoring spree, so to speak. The game was pretty much out of hand at that point. But then they held them under 60, and I'm like, all right, this, you know, maybe the defense is starting to click a bit. I know St. John's and UConn aren't exactly world beaters, but to hold both teams to 60 and under these past two games and then to show what your offense could really be with this type of performance in St. John's, it, it is exciting. And what a complete pivot from Tuesday's episode. Oh, don't shortchange yourself, Chris. You were the only one who predicted. Oh, I shouldn't say you were the only one, but you did say double digits. And well, you probably got a lot more than you expected in this <laughs> 81 to 58 beatdown. Yeah, was not expecting this. No, no way. And as we've known, Villanova, they've always been, quote unquote, the second half team. And no doubt they've shown time and time again that they kick it into next gear, high gear after halftime. But something was a little different and just right out of the gate right out of opening tip you have Colin Gillespie coming down scoring a quick 10 points and we know that the last time out against St. John's it was not pretty for him it was ugly he looked frustrated he did not look like himself finally on Tuesday night to see him just kind of quote-unquote get that redemption I'm sitting there thinking oh yeah this is the Bob Cousy award finalist right here this is a Bob Cousy award finalist right here he won the battle against Posh Alexander, but not only that, he helped set the tone very early. And then you saw the rest of the cats follow suit. And by the rest of the cats, we mean everybody, because it was great to see the bench almost empty itself out. There were a couple walk-ons we would love to see. But when you see guys like Trey Patterson, Brian Antoine going in there, Eric Dixon getting a couple early minutes, Chris Archie Diakono making an appearance, you get pumped. You can't. Like, how can you not get excited for it? And especially in the first half, when Antoine checked in early and immediately contributed, I was like, this is going to be a great night. This is going to be a great night. Yeah, seeing Antoine check in early was a little bit shocking, but in a good way. I'm like, wow, Jay's actually utilizing people on the bench outside of Spider and Slater. I'm like, this is this is awesome. And it wasn't just because Colin got the two fouls. He, was, he used them right before uh, Colin got the second foul. And it provided a little bit of a spark, too. He looked pretty pretty all right I mean he didn't provide much offensively on the score sheet but he was still you know going up for rebounds there was one rebound he brought down before he eventually turned over on the travel but you know he was he looked good yeah that hustle steal in the first half that led to that breakaway slam by Slater replayed put that on replay like 50 times over that was amazing like you said Chris to see him go out to go in there early 
kind of surprised. Like, I, do I need to like wipe my TV screen? Is my stream glitching? Like, is this really happening? And he really came in, made a play shortly after coming in. And then he got some action towards the end again. And it was just nice to see him go out there. And even Trey Patterson, that was another surprise. As a midseason addition, coming fresh out of high school, literally fresh out of high school. Jay saying, oh, I don't think he's going to play at all this season. To see him get a couple minutes when it was already garbage time was also really cool to see. It was. He got a steal. He had an assist. And he had a chance at the end. To go up for a layup or a dunk, but I forgot who it was for St. John's, but they tracked him down from behind and they swatted him. And I, I felt felt very bad for him. I'm like, oh wow, this is like it's like a movie scene almost. It's like, oh my god, wide open basket, and then boom, just reality smacks you right in the face there. But even yeah, he only played two minutes, but he looked competent, you know, and that's all you can really ask for for an early transfer, not transfer, early recruit in. That's that was that was cool. It, it was just nice to see the bench emptied, emptied out, like you said. I mean, the starters performed all great. We'll get into that. But just to see the bench come out and do what they did and, and you know, divvy up the minutes in a blowout, it was, it was nice. And, like, Slater was probably the catalyst for, for it all, too, for the bench. Oh, no doubt. And huge props to Brandon Slater. Yeah, he only had six points. But just the energy he was providing off the bench, he had those dunks, which were amazing. The charges he was drawing, this guy has fully bought into Villanova basketball. I think he took like, what, four or five, 55? I don't know what it was, but that yeah. guy was throwing his body around. It was great to see him contributing. And you had John Rothstein. I know he's a meme at this point, but he's talking about buying stock in him at halftime. I, you got to agree with him after the couple performances he's shown lately and especially what he did on Tuesday night. Oh, certainly. I mean, these past two games, his – defensive capabilities have certainly shown and I even texted you this Eugene during the game but he has certainly provided a much needed spark and a shot in the arm that this team kind of needed you know like we always say we've said it every episode since February began that February is just this long dragging month even though it's 28 days because you're just so excited about March being around the corner and you kind of go through these slogs and it's just like Oh, you know, a lost midweek, all right, whatever. And then you win on the weekend, and then you start bugging out, like, is this team for real and whatnot? Just seeing Slater doing what he's doing, bringing the energy, taking the charges, contributing offensively when we didn't think he was ever going to do that. It's just it's just provided such a jolt for this team, and hopefully it can continue into March. I mean, obviously, UConn, you know, maybe one of the better teams in the Big East, same thing with St. John's, and we'll see how he does against premier competition so, like, people can still doubt that way. But I, I don't see any reason why he can't keep this up with the with the bigger boys. No doubt. His athleticism is great. What he brings on defense is obviously well documented. The couple slams he had were awesome to see. Just an overall great performance from him and the bench as well. I mean, CJ exercised and used like a 10-man rotation was awesome. Granted, the minutes for Dixon and Antoine were, were kind of on the shorter side. It was still great to see them get out there. Let's hear from Colin Gillespie on his teammates and the guys on the bench. They were huge. Um, our bench brought great energy off the bench. Um, guys like Cole, Slate, and then Brian came in, made a huge play, getting a deflection, diving out of balance and getting it, keeping it alive. So, um, like I said before this game, um, the day before, those are the guys that we're playing against every day in practice, and they're really um, – getting into us and, and making it tough for us in practice. So we have 
a ton of confidence in those guys when they come to the games because we know that they're making plays in practice like that. Reassuring to see. It sounds like we're, we're getting a little bit of a similar theme here where the leading men right now are hyping up and, and telling us this is what they see every day in practice. And it makes you a little bit excited for next year when the quote-unquote bench guys get their turn and to finally make their mark. But to see them show those glimpses right now, always exciting, always exciting. You finally get you're reaping the rewards for having all these higher end guys come in and, you know, showing up and balling out, calming a lot of nerves. Yeah, just looking at the Villanova starting 5 2, it was a great day at the office all around. Caleb Daniels, for all the talk, is he a bust? What's going on with him? He showed up, showed out, didn't miss a shot in the first half, finished with a team high 17 points, six of eight on the floor, four for six from deep. Let's hear what Caleb has to say about overcoming the little shooting slope he had since the COVID break, and let's hear his thoughts on that. Just uh, approaching every day the same, uh, trusting in the work that we put in as a team. Uh, we put in a lot of detail on shooting and uh, trusting in each other to make the right plays to each other. So I have to say just uh, trusting in the work that we all put in and uh, when we were shooting our shots and we were passing to each other in practice. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Chris, just sounds like, you know, he just stayed confident, stayed poised. And it was great to see him deliver against St. John's because it was nice to see him get back on track and hopefully he can continue this type of shooting moving forward. For sure. And yeah, Eugene, like you said, he, he was great in the first half, but in the second half too, even just to put St. John's away, he was hitting threes uh, off uh, some pretty nice assists from, I believe, you know, Colin, I think assisted on one of them that was particularly nice. So you know, not only he didn't just stop his production in the first half of the second half production was also pretty good as well. And I'm glad Jay started him as well. I mean, I don't think I don't know if the confidence thing would have really factored into it because if you had benched him, it's also a possibility. And I think the fact that they rolled with Daniels instead of putting Slater in, I think it gave Daniels the opportunity to feel like, all right, you know what, I can step up and lead this team. And that's exactly what he did. And it sounded like he's gaining uh, a little bit of confidence back too. So. I'm glad that they they keep they kept them in the starting five. When he hit that first three to start off the game, you kind of had a feeling, all right, this is going to be the beginning of a rainstorm. Sometimes, right. you know how it is. Shooters just need to see that first one go in, and if it's your first shot, just a crisp, nothing but nylon. Oh, so good, so good. And and clearly, he continued to carry that on as the game went on. Also, looking at the rest of the starting five, Jermaine Samuels, I think he had everyone biting on his pump fake little inside-outside action. He was knocking out threes. He was scoring in the post. Of course, providing the hustle, grabbing a team high, nine rebounds. Just another great game for big game Jermaine since the COVID break, and I'll sign up for more of this. Yeah, after kind of hiding in the shadows a little bit against UConn, even though he had a decent performance, you know, to kind of come out like this, drop 14, grab nine, like you said. But he was hitting early. And he basically put the game out of reach uh, along with Colin and Caleb early on. And then just, you know, on the defensive end, I think he was you know just getting in there. I think he even drew a charge or two. He, he looked great again. I mean, it's, this is just something you got to expect now. And I'm, I'm happy, to, happy to be witnessing. JRE, great inside again with 12 points, six boards. Colin Gillespie, huge turnaround. What a difference a couple of weeks make. It was a nightmare for him last time out over at Carnesec Arena. He made up for it big time on Tuesday night against St. John's. 14 points, five assists, only had a couple turnovers. He was hitting his shots. Let's hear what Jay has to say about him. He's our heart and soul. He's our engine. 
I mean, you see him come out like that and, and just be so tough and so aggressive. Um, and, you know, that's what college athletics are all about. He, he had a tough game against them last time. They did a great job on him. And he comes back with great confidence and not trying to do it all on his own, just getting other people's shots, making the right plays. Um, that's what's amazing about him. It, it, it's, um, it's the sign of a great leader. Chris, is from pretty big praise for Gillespie. I mean, we've talked about his journey from Division II prospect to rising up the ranks as an quote-unquote under-the-radar guy to now being the leading man, Bob Cousy Award finalist, and now being called the heart and soul, the engine that drives his team. It's been a pretty big year for Gillespie, but it was nice to see him bounce back and to show that, you know what, it was just a bad game on February 3rd. After that game happened, you kind of just chalked it up. Right? It's just one of those days. But then he kind of put a couple of games together where I was like, all right, that's not the column we're used to. And we were kind of joking, like, oh, maybe St. John's broke him. Well, guess what? He fixed himself, and it was uh, he was pretty good at it, too. And not only was he hitting from long range, I think his the post-up stuff, it was it was pretty nice. It, I'm not going to say it was Jalen-esque, but it was, it was getting there. <laughs> it, his uh, post moves have uh, certainly improved. Uh, with the whole one-on-one ISO type thing that Villanova likes to do with their point guards. So good to see that that's finally executing. And then also JRE, his actual interior big guy post moves were uh, on point on Tuesday night. Still wish he can hit a little bit better from mid-range. But other than that, his, uh, his inside post moves though are just uh, chef's kiss on a type of performance that he usually puts out. Yeah, it seemed like St. John's was biting on every single pump fake that any Wildcat puts together. Even Cole Swider was fooling a few guys. Just looking overall at the, as a team, Nova couldn't buy a basket last time out against the Johnnies. This time around, they shot over 40% from deep, 48% overall. Great numbers there. Yeah, Chris, as you mentioned, they had the 15 turnovers, but it didn't feel like it phased them at all. The Cats just stayed aggressive the whole night. Kept going at it. Didn't look tentative. Didn't look shy. Definitely handled the press 56 times better than they did a couple weeks ago. Even with the turnovers they had, the biggest difference was they didn't allow St. John's to just feast on it. There were no easy baskets for St. John's all night. Only had seven points off of those 15 turnovers. Unlike last time out where I don't even know the exact number, but I can tell you it's probably 40 or felt like 40. And just defensively, such a great performance all around. Posh Alexander was held to only four points, two of seven shooting. Julian Champagne, the top scorer in the Big East, he didn't really get his buckets until late, but even then it was already the game was already well out of reach. He had 16 points, but only shot five of 18, 0 for 6 from deep. Only one other guy on St. John's team reached double digits, Isaiah Moore, but he was in foul trouble and didn't really get a chance to make his mark. Everyone else had nine or fewer points. Just a great overall game. And it was nice to see St. John's panic a little bit, trying to hack up those threes. Couldn't get them to fall this time around. And the other thing, too, from a couple weeks ago, we need to remember St. John's was shooting an uncharacteristic amount from deep. So it was nice to see it correct itself a little bit with a lot of averages. Yeah, about time that finally worked in Villanova's favor. Always seems like they're the one, Villanova's the one getting screwed by regression. But, yeah, the defense was on point. They not only, you know, they committed 15 turnovers, like we said, but they forced 16. And that's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Ade Wusu was pretty much kept in check, and he was probably St. John's, like, other opportunity, like, other player to kind of get going. At least they tried to get going, and he just didn't work out. Marcellus Erlington didn't really do much as well off the bench. Posh, uh, you kind of feel bad for him, though. Just, 
he because he ended up I think it was his thumb. I don't know what I, I don't know what the official diagnosis is. Something in his hand. Yeah, it, I don't know what happened. His hand just like came down on like an attempted steal off a rebound, and it was just so it's such a freak thing. So I hope he's okay because he's a fun player to watch, and it'll be fun to watch from Biggie's tournament time. So hopefully he's better. Rasheed Dunn was a complete non-factor too. Williams was complete non-factor as well. It was just a superb defensive performance. Held them under 60 points. Yeah, just it was it's great to see Villanova put together these excellent back-to-back defensive performances after that Creighton nightmare. Looks like a flip has switched since then. Hopefully they can keep it going. But to hold St. John's to just 13% from deep, 36% overall, just an amazing performance. Held down the fort inside forced them to shoot some uncomfortable shots outside for the mid-range stuff. And if you're Villanova, you'll let them take that all day rather than last time where it just felt like they were getting whatever they wanted and Villanova mm-hmm. couldn't get a single basket to fall or let alone cross midcourt. The switch has been flipped. And you can say that for two games. And now this Sunday could be completely changed. We don't know. But for two games in February, the, the switch has been flipped defensively at least. Oh, also, can we can we talk about real quick the just the funny thing from that happened the other day? Uh, Ade Wusu's uh, flop where he got hit in the or I don't know if it was if he was even hit in the stomach, but then he like fell down like holding his face and the elbow <laughs> from, like uh, Jermaine wasn't even like close close to him. I was like, oh come on, come on. Yeah, it's one of those instances where you're glad for the review and it was overturned, rightfully so. But that was pretty funny. Yeah, Jermaine Samuels, if any, if he did hit him, it was probably in, like, the stomach, torso, rib area, if that. But then you had Adi Wusu kind of get into his grill, invading his personal space. But also, just the way that he went down, like, grabbing his face, rolling around, and then his teammates come up, and they're like, all right, just get up. And then he got up. <laughs> it was perfectly fine. It's like nothing happened. Because nothing did happen. But the ball movement was great. The poise versus the press was great mm-hmm. the aggressiveness not being shy or tentative to just go for it was great the defensive energy was awesome too i think that helped feed the cats on the bench because you already know everybody was getting up for those drawn charges or for those steals and turnovers that they were able to force that was just a great dominant win and you know i think it kind of calmed some fears or calmed some nerves about this team moving forward but Hopefully, two two games in a row now, Chris, where this team is looking pretty good. I mean, the, the UConn game was more so the second half, but the St. John's game was a, a nice, complete 40 minutes of Villanova basketball, which everybody can sign up for. Right, right. Yeah, this one definitely replicated or felt like similar to that Marquette game where it was just Villanova was in control, doing good on both sides of the ball for the most part. And there was uh, never really an issue. Everyone contributed. So, yeah, pretty happy. Uh, still, I, as you did mention, nerves have been calm for sure. I just want to see them against Creighton. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, yeah, I know. I was If we did have a, an emergency or celebratory pod on Tuesday night for Wednesday <laughs> morning, I would have said, forget the Butler game. Just take us straight to Crane. But then we all know that's how problems start. That's how problems <laughs> start. So we can't we can't exactly say that. And as we know, Butler, they could be tough sometimes. But then when you play them at Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is where Villanova is going this weekend, uh, nothing's ever guaranteed. Nothing's ever guaranteed. And with this Butler team struggling for the most part this season, 
They've been up and down, up and down, mostly down. You can't really – this is like trap game persona if you're not paying oh, yeah. attention. Oh, yeah. If you didn't say it, I was. This is a trap game personified, like Exhibit A. You get a low, lowly team in the conference, even though I think they're a little bit better than what their record is. But you're going to their place. You got a big game against the other best team in the conference that you want to get back at and show that you're not as bad as the performance that you had against them a couple of weeks ago. Just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, if we remember, the first time we played Butler, they were coming off of that COVID pause that just completely ruined the momentum. And their first game back was against mm-hmm. Villanova, which, you know, if you're Butler, it's like, come on, really? It's like, <laughs> you know, we go through this, and this is really the first time we had to play. And even though for a team that had just got thrown back onto the court 24 hours before the game, they gave Nova a fight for that first half. Jared Bolden was shooting the lights out to start, but then Villanova did Villanova things and pulled away in the second half against an 8-13 and Butler team. That's 7-11 in Big East play. They've been up. They've been down. And recently, very recently, last night, they're coming off of a pretty big win over Seton Hall, which may have put the Pirates tournament hopes in jeopardy, maybe popping that bubble a little bit. I don't know what the deal is, but it was a pretty big win for Butler that had been on a three-game losing stretch. A couple injuries, though, but, Chris, what can we expect from this Butler team? Yeah, I remember that first game. That was uh, the Jair Bolden show in the first half, uh, West Town's very own, and every three that he took, I think. And we're like, of course, you know, team coming off a of COVID pause is just going to completely go off here. But eh, Villanova was able to find a way. So, yeah, Jair Bolden, good guy to start with, averaging 11 points still. He's still – he's having – a decent year for for Butler. Maybe the shooting percentages aren't exactly where they'd like to be. Uh, shooting 35% from the field, 34 from beyond the arc, and only uh, around 70% from the free throw line. So not the best, but, you know, he's still averaging good good amount of points, good amount of rebounds for, for the point guard there. And also Bryce Enzi, also a big boy inside. I think I highlighted him last time and always say that he gives Villanova problems, and he seems to, although he was kind of held in check the last time out, He's averaging around the same amount of points as Jair Bolden is, which is around 11. He's grabbing about seven and a half boards a game. Is He's going to feast inside. And I know he's coming off a little bit of an injury bug too, but I think he did play against Seton Hall. So he seems to be all systems go unless he re-aggravated an injury. And then also freshman Chuck Harris, who seems to be coming into his own, leading the team in scoring with about 11 and a half points per game and seems to be able to shoot the three and shooting around 40%. But, you know, Eugene, you said this team's been up, this team's been down, mostly down, coming in hot off that Seton Hall win. Still, I don't know. Yeah, it was a pretty big win for Butler. The Hinkle Magic really showed up. and They helped a Butler team that was missing two key starters in Aaron Thompson and Bo Hodges. And even with those guys out, they still managed to beat Seton Hall, which I know you always enjoy it, Chris. You always enjoy it. I mean, how can you not? And also, we enjoyed the UNC upset last night, or sorry, the Marquette upset of UNC last night. Chaos. Love it. Yeah, they, and speaking of bursted bubbles, that might have uh, burst in UNC's bubble, which is uh, which is nice. Also means that Wojo is probably getting a five-year extension in the morning. So. Right now, right after that game, the president <laughs> had him on speed dial, and they were like, time to tack on three more. <laughs> Just an internal contract, lifetime contract for Steve Wojcikowski. Calipari got the blank check. 
Wojo got the blank check plus a new house <laughs> and a new hall named after him. Wojo Hall. Yep. <laughs> Wojo Court. Yes, Possibly. yes, yes. That's if they win a tournament game in the next five years. It's funny because you look at the standings and they're still second to last despite that win. Obviously, the win means nothing for the Big East, but they're still second to last in the conference. It's just a, just a major slap in the face. Also, how come we couldn't get that game? Where were we? How come they, they were called Marquette? They probably thought Marquette was going to get destroyed. Maybe the Big East is tougher than we think it is. Maybe, maybe. everyone's – maybe, yeah, maybe our bottom feeders are, like, actually top dogs elsewhere. It's it's very possible, Eugene. It certainly helps Villanova's case after beating down Marquette twice this year. And yeah. it'll help the future of Villanova, too. It, it will. So <laughs> – Hopefully it's a it's a good thing that they won, I guess, as it doesn't affect the Big East standings and Wojo gets extended and helps Villanova out in the long run. But yeah, Eugene, how do we not get a out of conference game? And look, UNC is nothing that special this year, that great. Which but just the name alone is already it, like it's the nice. selection committee will be like, Oh, I've I've heard of that team before. Two seed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Them and Duke, I'm telling you, man, it's gonna happen. Duke's going to get in because they won two games in a row or something. Oh, it was – yeah, that was just ridiculous. All the chatter was like, oh, it's like the, the committee has never seen the team win back-to-back games. It was like all of a sudden Duke's in firmly in the con- uh, tournament conversation again. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Too much shenanigans. Too much shenanigans. It's going to happen. Because, oh, you know, a win over a number seven team in the country in Virginia, you know what, that's a good win. I'll, I'll give you that. But then Virginia went out last night, and I think they lost to, to NC State. So what is Virginia now? So I, I don't know. Yeah. Or how about a couple of years ago when St. John's upset Marvin Bagley Duke and no one was talking about how, oh, this win's going to catapult them right to the tournament conversation. But if the tor- but if the roles were reversed, you already know. You already know um, what would happen. You know what's going to happen. This one, Chris, what are your predictions for this Butler matchup? What do you think is going to happen? The Hinkle thing, I can't shake. And despite – no fans. It still scares me. But I think the talent disparity is just too great. I think Villanova goes in there and sweats one out, but they'll, they'll, pull, they'll pull it off. They'll pull it off. And I think Justin Moore goes for a big game. He's kind of a uh, little sub performances for him. And I, I just expect him to kind of have a big game. And he kind of had a big game against Butler the last time out. So I'm fully expecting him to have a, a nice game and carry the Cats to a victory. You just look at the analytics and – Butler right now, bottom half in terms of offensive efficiency, bottom 100 in terms of effective field goal percentage. They don't shoot all too well from beyond the arc, below 33%. They don't shoot all that well inside the arc. And then their defense is also suspect, finishing in the bottom 100 for opponent's field goal percentage allowed from deep and also from inside the arc. And right then and there, you look at it and it's like, wow, this is (laughs) like, how does this team even win those games? They have had the big upset potential. They beat Creighton overtime. They've beaten St. John's in overtime. They can have the big game, but at the same time, what Ken Pop doesn't adjust for is the Hinkle Fieldhouse magic, which I think, you know, <laughs> boosts them up by 20 points everywhere. And we've we've been victims to the Hinkle Fieldhouse magic before. In years we would never expect it to be either. Oh, yeah, and even where Villanova – even though they ended up winning, it was like, wow, this game should not have been close against this type of team. It's like Andrew Shrabis playing like Larry Bird. What's going on? Man, what a throwback name that was. Yeah, Colin Dunham. I mean, we all remember the game last year. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. So hopefully we can shake those demons. And now it is possible Butler could be coming into this game a little undermanned. I know a couple of guys have been nursing injuries. So yeah, we'll they've see. been trying to play through the pain, but, oh, yeah. but you know, hurt is hurt. Hurt is hurt. I sense you're leaning Butler, but I don't know. So it's funny because I know before I had said that I think Villanova would lose this one when we went down the remaining five games on Villanova's schedule. But now, at this point, after the last couple of games, I think they go into Hickle Fieldhouse, avoid the trap game scenario, pick up a win, and they'll be onwards to that rematch against Creighton. Wouldn't be a surprise if it's closer than we all expected, but I think Villanova should win this one and continue that winning momentum. This game, it will be on Sunday, nice early 12 p.m. matinee on CBS, not CBS Sports, so it'll be easy to find this time. 12 p.m. tip-off from Hinkle Fieldhouse, hoping the Cats can avoid the upset bug and go into that heavyweight rematch with Creighton on Wednesday, next Wednesday, rather. All right, Chris, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag, and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have for us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNPod. Leave a comment in the comment section. Whatever method you choose, even slide into the DMs, it'll find its way to us, and we'll discuss it on the show just like this. Chris, first question is from Brendan Riley. Shout-outs, Brendan. Hope you've been doing well. I know you've been busy on baby duty and new job, but I hope everything's going well with you. He, he wants to know, which of the lower usage Wildcats are you most excited to see play next year? Brandon Slater, Brian Antoine, Chris Archidiacono, Eric Dixon, or Trey Patterson? Ooh, good question. Good question. You know, if you had asked me before the season, I probably would have said Eric Dixon. But now, I don't know, just maybe seeing 11 minutes of him the other night, I, I'm all – I'm all excited about Brian Antoine, man. <laughs> I got to see him fully healthy and in a full-blown role where he knows the system. It's that I feel like that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm feeling this could easily be a 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, and 1E type of answer, but you can't do that. That's no fun. Cop-out no. answers are never fun. I'm torn between Slater and Antoine. I, same reason for Antoine as you, Chris, just because he'll be fully healthy just seeing that nice play from him against St. John's where he forced a deflection, grabbed the steal, kept it in bounds, got it out to Slater, who finished with the slam. That was nice to see. And it'll be great to see what he'll be able to do in an expanded role. I don't know, man. I'm starting to lead on the lead on the slate train here. Brandon Slater. I don't know. I think he can I think it can be a, a really big leap for him. It looks like the offense is continuing to come around and just what he provides defensively. He just makes it look so much fun. And I'm hoping, you know, when he gets his time to shine next year with, after some graduations, he'll make the most out of it. Kind of similar to when Mikhail broke out to the team. It wasn't a surprise because they knew this is what he'd been doing in practice. He just had to sit behind Josh Hart and some of the more prominent guards and players. But when he got his time to shine, he relished in it. I don't know if that'll mean he'll turn it to a first round, top 15, top 10 draft pick like Mikhail, but if he comes even close to that or even two-thirds or three-fourths of that, I would love that because just the energy he provides on defense is awesome. The athleticism is clearly there. I was getting up when he had that slam, and hopefully we'll see even more highlights next year. The shout-out to the other guys, though. Eric Dixon. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see what he could do. And Trey Patterson, little glimpse there. Even some of the other recruits in his class, like Jordan Longino breaking Alvin Williams' scoring record at Germantown Academy. It's like, wow. So much talent, so much talent, so much, so much youth, so much youth, so much potential. Love it. 
exciting stuff. Love it. And also, if Brian Antoine could just finally get, you know, a, a fair crack at it, just a full season, no <laughs> injuries, uh, and then some Shaq fit conditioning, oh, it's going to be so great. It's going to be great. Just just put everyone in that list in bubble wrap next, like, five months after the season ends, please. And I don't want some random shoulder injury in, like announced in, like, <laughs> September. Yeah, yeah, people falling on each other for no reason. Yeah, we don't want that. Please, no. Next question from Fred Rung. Do you agree with Rothstein saying to buy stockings later? Will we ever get the 85 throwback jerseys back? I'll hang up and listen. First part of the question, uh, I think I think I've made it clear. I, I agree with buying stockings later. I've been liking what I've seen. He's just been gradually improving. Once, you know, I'm hoping he'll be able to turn the corner at some point, but just looking at what he brings – Energy-wise, his athleticism, and on the defensive end, that's been great. Once his offense starts to catch up with that, oh, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun time. Chris, what do you think? For sure. Yeah, I definitely definitely plan to stop. He's really scratching the surface of what kind of potential he has now, and uh, I think it's a good time to uh, start realizing he might be one of the better players on this team. And can't wait to see him uh, ball out for the rest of the year and then hopefully take that leap next year like you were mentioning. So definitely time to buy a Slater stock. It's great because it's nice to see him start to build that confidence on the offensive end because I'm sure we all know for the first couple of years, just freshman and sophomore years especially, you kind of sit there and you think, has this guy – this guy really was four-star? He shot the he shot a three. He shot this much from three in high school. How did he do that? His shooting stroke didn't look that great. The shots were just so off. But this year he's definitely taken some strides and hopefully he just continues his upward trajectory on offense or catches up with what he brings on defense. And then the next part on Fred's question, will we ever get the 85 throwback jerseys back? Oh man, I, I hope so. It was no, nice to see the powder blues, but no, we, you no. need to see the 85s. No, we, we glossed over that. The, that uniform matchup on Tuesday night was horrendous. <laughs> it was like color rush for like the NFL. And I hate that. I hate that stuff. Chris does not like the powder blues, if anyone remembers. No, I, I, I've said, I think when the, this jersey first was revealed to the public, that I like powder blue as a cover. Like the Chargers, great, great jerseys. But for Villanova, I don't know, it just doesn't matter. But when you match it all powder blues and all bright reds, it was, uh, it was something. But we got to bring the 85 jerseys back at some point. I'm assuming – and hoping that they're saving it for the postseason. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, hopefully that, because we all know the winning percentage of that is top tier. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, hopefully that's the plan. And if not, well, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, they should always be worn. They should just be made the permanent jerseys. And I know, like, the actual home and away jerseys are kind of similar to that, or at least closer to what they ever been. 85 jerseys, but it, still, you got you got to break them at some point. Yeah, they need to come back. I'm shocked that they, you know, we're already in February and they still haven't appeared yet. Maybe they're Post-season. printing a whole lot of new jerseys. I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen anything new compared to last year. So, if they retired them and, and they didn't tell anybody, I'd oh, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. Yeah, they would we'll lose in the first round of both tournaments because of that. Next question is from K-Mac, Nova Hoops 0304. Bench scoring is a need, that ragu spark. Thoughts on flipping Caleb to the bench and starts later with his lockdown D abilities. I'll hang up and listen. Ooh, K-Mac wants to bring up an old convo that we talked about on Tuesday. And after the game, though, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's also hard to argue because now we had Caleb had a great game too. So now it's like right. right before I was, you know, leading into that St. John's game, I think I said a Tuesday morning, maybe it'll, you know, add a nice spark off the bench and we can have Slater for his D. But Chris, after the St. John's game, what do you think? Do do we still keep Caleb Daniels in the starting five or bench him yeah. and use him as six man? Yeah, I said on Tuesday, keep it up, keep it the way it is. Even though like I kind of advocated for Slater to be playing more minutes than Caleb Daniels. Not that, that they're like their minutes are mutually exclusive, but I still think Slater should be playing a little bit more. But I like I like Daniels in the starting role. I I understand the question, like, oh, you can get that offensive spark off the bench, but I think Brandon Slater, and I mentioned it during the recap. Brandon Slater's providing a spark himself defensively, maybe not offensively, but defensively. And he's bringing a lot of energy and he's bringing some fundamentals of the game on the defensive end that I think uh, we can all appreciate. And I think that type of spark is just, it works similar. I don't know. I don't think you really need an offensive guy coming off the bench all the time. I think it can work for the defensive. Yeah, it's interesting because at Villanova, as we know, there's always a sixth starter. It's only starters by name. And right now, you had Slater play 24 minutes, which was right around on par as the rest of the starting five on Tuesday. Oh, man, 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 man. I don't know. I really liked what I saw from both guys on Tuesday. And I think we're just going to have to see how Sunday goes. But there was a point uh, last time on the last pod where I think I was like, yeah, let's flip it and see what happens. But now that Caleb's starting to hit his shots again, it's like, <laughs> Man's balling too, right? And after a performance like that, you can't you can't yank him to the bench. That would be that would be devastating for his uh, confidence. I feel like, yeah, and you know, I'm sure he'll be a team player, and and you know, he'd be cool about it. But mm-hmm. something about it, something about it, right? Yeah, I think the way it's rolling, I think Slater off the bench. I like it. Keep it the way it is. Next set of questions from our guy JQ Jerry Quinn. First one, how many of our seniors come back next year? That's the new hot topic. After the St. John's game, everybody wants everybody back, myself included. However, we do have to be realistic about this. Uh, For the people who aren't aware, everybody gets a free year this year. Everyone from the freshmen to the seniors. So if you really want to, you can see Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, Demir Cosby-Roundstreet come back, and it wouldn't be a problem at all. Everyone gets basically a free bonus year of eligibility. But, Chris, how many of those guys actually come back next year? Yeah, I think we've gotten this question before, but it was a lot earlier on when things were a little bit murkier. But I still, I think at the time I said DCR would come back and everybody else would leave, and I think I'm going to stick with that. So only one. Yeah, it really depends on the NBA conversation and at the rate that Colin Gillespie is playing, Bob Cousy Award finalist, top five. Jermaine Samuels is hitting another gear right now, playing so confident and loose on the court. It's been a lot of fun. And then DCR, I think he'll come back just because he'll want that last final send-off on the court. He's a baller. He's a basketball player, and he's not going to want his career to end because of some surgery. I really hope he'll get healthy. I think he gets a second chance next year. And Colin or Jermaine, man, it's hard because it is still kind of early because we do want to know, you know, what their pro prospects look like. And with this whole COVID stuff, it's like people can, you know, you can hardly think ahead. It's really, you know, you just, the first thing you think ahead is a week from now. Um, 
Normally this time we would just be littered with mock drafts and NBA conversation, but right now it has been kind of on the quieter side. I'm sure by the time we have some heroes and darlings of March Madness, that'll kind of shake things up and change things. I want to say optimistically one of them comes back. One of the two comes back next year, but I'm with you, Chris. I think it'll only be just be DCR for right now, unless something happens. Second one. Do you think Trey Patterson will get more run this year? Jay kind of shot it down already. Asked him about it after the St. John's game, and he was just kind of quick, like, oh, you know, really weren't expecting him to, but he's been great in practice, and the circumstances allowed it to happen. I guess if Philadelphia could get a blowout, but these next three games are looking kind of on the tougher side. Like, I don't expect a blowout. Then again, I didn't expect a blowout going into St. John's. <laughs> right. I mean, also, it could go the other way. Maybe a blowout and they're getting killed, if God forbid, but, you know, they could probably stick them in there. Yeah, I only see him coming in during extraneous circumstances. And like you said, the St. John's game presented that opportunity. So he got the burn. So I'm, I, wouldn't want to see him, and I get why we probably won't see him. So I severely doubt he gets any sort of play unless there's, like, an onslaught of major injuries. Yeah, and unless we want to get really technical about it this year, like, yeah, I could see it, you know, November 2021 next season, but that's still this year. But that's right. just kind <laughs> of like a – yeah, it's like, you know, it's kind of that guy like, oh, what time is it? Time for you to get a watch. You, you, know, yeah. you don't like that answer. I don't like right. that answer. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, to honestly answer Jerry's question, I don't think he will unless we get some blowout. The other crazy thing, too, was did you know that that was the first game we emptied our bench since the 2019-20 game, uh, the Myrtle Beach Invitational, where Nova blew out Middle Tennessee State? So it had been a while. It's wow. been a while. It's yeah, been a hot minute. Yeah. A World was a better place back then. <laughs> <laughs> It makes you think back to that 2018 team. It was like, wow, we really had the bench bob like 10 times. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gina, I remember when we were in school, I think it was like the 14, 15 year and the 15, 16 year. It was, I can remember like several times where it was just the bench mob and like Mikhail Bridges or Phil Booth. Like it was, that's, <laughs> that's how many, they were featured heavily. But I don't feel like we get that as much anymore. So it was nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when, Trey Patterson got out there. It was like, wow, what a treat. What a treat. Last question from Jerry. What's the over under on number of essays we get this year for the Villanova student essay challenge? Those of you who don't know, Jerry Quinn and the Alumni Association, I believe you sports, they kind of put together this annual challenge where normally in under normal circumstances, Villanova students can kind of tell their Villanova story through this essay. And if your essay gets chosen, or if you're a winner, you get, some cash you get some tickets you get basically the complete ncaa first weekend experience no matter where in the country it is you get to go there get to experience some alumni events a little behind the scenes things and of course the game itself it's a really cool contest and they do it every year announce some winners obviously this year with covid it's a little complicated but they're still being generous and they're giving out some cash and honestly if you're a student you could always use some cash I'll put the over under 7,500. I hope so. I mean, I hope it does well just because there are no games or just because it, well, I don't know. Cause I do know that they changed the protocol and they said that fans will now be allowed 
Granted, it'll only be a certain percentage, so I don't know if the essay challenge will incorporate that. But last I checked, it was just a cash prize. So, you know, either way, you win something, so it's all good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll take the over on what you just said. It yeah, seventy-five. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the over. Feeling generous. Yeah, I'll take the over too. I mean, hopefully, you know, the more participants, it kind of gets. I've seen it in years past, at least, where if it surpasses a certain amount, the amount of giveaways or the, you know, the cash expenses, things goes up. So honestly, the more the merrier, the more the merrier kind of makes the jackpot a little nicer, a little juicier. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the state of the Nova nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. You can do so on iTunes, Apple podcasts, Google play, Spotify, Stitcher, megaphone, Podbean. You got many, many options. Please rate us five star, five star, five star, five star. Check back, check off, and at viewhoops.com. We've always got the content between the Daily Arisens, the NBA Wildcat Watches, keeping up tabs on some former alums in the big leagues in the association, plus the game recaps, the game coverage, and always the game chats on game day. Always a fun time in the comments section. So join the party, check back on the site often. Follow View Hoops on social media. You can do so at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like our page on Facebook, and you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And I'm Chris Nanzial. I got nothing. Just stay safe, everybody. Nova Nation, great win on Tuesday. Still feeling great on this Thursday. and Hopefully, we can keep the good vibes going with a win at Hinkle Fieldhouse on Sunday. Take care. Have a good weekend. Catch you back next week.